Toronto's highly competitive hip-hop scene can sometimes feel like a battlefield. But it's on that battlefield where the one-woman army named Samantha O'Connor tends to dominate. The music journalist and editor has interviewed hundreds of artists like Kendrick Lamar, Pusha T, Estelle, and Lil Durk. Her mantra of just do the work has helped her push past her contemporaries but made it almost impossible for her to have a good night's rest. With an honest approach to journalism and a dedication to the music, Samantha has accessed and told the stories of rap's biggest stars. But it's also that dedication that fuels her drive to put on talent from Toronto's often overlooked ends. By just doing the work, Samo has been able to land opportunities both at home and overseas as far as London, where she currently is as of the release of this interview. But it wasn't always jet-setting across the pond from music fests and interviews with OGs. Before she could hit the FBO with luggage in her hands, she had to bus it back and forth in Rexdale without any support from her immediate family. But I'm getting ahead of myself. This is Banter Radio's interview with Samantha O'Connor. Like this has been a very long time coming. I think I yes. first pitched it to you, or like the idea of like hopefully having you on the show at uh, when you were moderating that panel at at Dias. Yeah. yeah, I just was doing a lot of talking the first part of the year, and I'm like, maybe I need to slow down and do the work. Otherwise, people are gonna get sick of me talking shit. Mm-hmm. Do the work. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's like your saying. That's the saying. That is a lifestyle, a mantra. Yeah. And you do do the work. It's good that you're taking a little break. Yeah. For the summer. Yes, I'm trying to live so that I have things to talk about. Good. So yeah. did you uh, did you enjoy Caravana Weekend? I was not doing Caravana. I was at Veld all weekend. Okay. So I kind of picked up the journalism thing again because I've been taking a break mostly this year to do other stuff like A&R stuff and marketing things. But um, Drea from Rap Season reached out to me because I did all the interviews for Rap Season last year at Veld. And we had an amazing team. So she's like, let's get gang back together. So I spent the weekend in the dust and the hot sun. So this rain is actually super refreshing right now because I was hot and dying up there. Yeah. But it was fun. It was fun. There was like smoke perp and Lil Yachty and all types of people, young uh, ASAP Ferg. Like, I see Nav showed up. Yeah, like, Nav yeah. performed. That was amazing. Yeah, it was good vibes. There was a lot of Toronto artists on the, on the bill too, like Killy and 88 mm-hmm. Glam, which was amazing to see. Jazz came out. So it was really cool to see how yeah. far Toronto artists yeah. have come on like a huge stage with like thousands of people in the audience screaming all their lyrics. It was amazing. That's great representation. Yeah. Because at the same time as like Bell's happening, there's also Oshiega happening. And yes. They always seem to compete. Yes. Yeah. Everything competes this weekend. There was no OVO Fest to compete this year. Yeah. But yeah. There. The busiest weekend of the summer. So yeah, it was good to be in a field. It was nice. I got to be out there and not have to worry about everything that's been going on, stressing since I've been back in the city with all the violence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a peaceful weekend. No one got hurt, and that's really all you could ask for. Oh, yeah, I know. That was like one of the big standouts. I know that I was in at my work, and like I was 
by the way the trends the way it's been going I know it's like really pessimistic but the way I was thinking about it like it was only a matter of time but thankfully yeah nothing happened yeah so I kept you, putting it out there manifesting the good energy so you gotta do yes <laughs> yes so you lived in the city for a really long time for a minute about 10 years yeah but you're originally from Ottawa the Ottawa area yeah that's where I was born but I, I, I was digging up. Did you spend some time in Rexdale when you first got here? Yes, yeah, so that's exactly where I lived. So uh, I went to Guelph Humber. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of fell in love with the area and the people in it. I was going through a lot in my life. And I related more to the people in the area than the students that I was going to school with. Because uh, I ended up living as a homeless person. So I, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, and the people of Rexdale brought me in and taught me how to live my life and take care of myself. And yeah, so I owe a lot to that neighborhood. I mean, it almost seems like you're giving back by the way you, the way you do your work and like who you cover, because a lot of those, a lot of a lot of the music comes out of Rex. That is exactly what I wanted to do. Like, um, I went to school for journalism, and we had to get an internship. And I remember the only place that I applied was Urbanology magazine because it was like one of the only hip-hop publications. I was obsessed with it. They covered a lot of my friends, like people that had clothing lines and producers and stuff like that. So I just fell in love with it, and that's the only place I wanted to work. And I did. I got my internship there and became the associate editor within a year, and that was really how I got started in journalism. I was, I was reading up, like... Was Hunter S. Thompson one of your like influences to study yes. journalism? Yes, that was like female Gonzo. That's <laughs> in through college because I lived a very rough life and I was kind of a nomad and out there partying and I was just a wild kid. So yeah, I definitely looked up to him. His writing was amazing and I just loved how he was part of the story and he just really dove in and that's kind of how I wrote about rap music. Like I was in it and I feel like if you're going to write about something, you have to be in it some capacity yeah. to write about it you can't just be an, an other or you shouldn't be you know you're never going to get the full picture yeah like full immersion is something i've really yes. think you take to love like you're in all of the areas i can't i don't know a time where i haven't been to a show that i haven't seen you at yes because i love it uh show energy is life i kind of it fuels me so yeah and the Honestly, if you're not going to go to the show and be a part of it, there's no business. You're not going to understand and like, I don't know. I just love being a part of it. Was, Sweaty crowds. I was going to say about the time that like after you graduated from Gulf Humber, because music journalism is difficult to break into. Even like you did land your internship right away. But how did you manage supporting yourself in the city, which can be very expensive while doing like your passion? I did not sleep for two years. So I was going to school full time. Um, once I ended up getting out of the shelter system, I got a job working in retail, and I had that as a full-time job as well. And then I would leave and go to shows, and then I would come back at 3 a.m. and then have to wake up at 6 and do it all over again. And I did that for two years, living off Red Bull. It was the most unhealthy time of my life, but um, I made it through, and it worked out. So I just worked harder than everybody else, and I was there, and my brand became, you know, you knew you were going to a show, and I was going to be there. Mm -hmm. And that consistency is what has taken me this far. Was there ever a point uh, during that journey where you had to, like, demand that your writing work be compensated properly? Or did you kind of just keep grinding until it Yeah, I keep grinding. I still... I don't think I ever was able to fully live off of writing about music in Canada. Like, I... 
when I was writing uh, with Urbanology, that was an internship. Like, I would do freelance stuff, but that didn't pay the bills because there was not enough publication. So it wasn't until I moved to Europe and started writing about music there that I was able to actually pay my bills off of writing. And I still don't to this day. Like, I have my column for The Sun, and I've read about entertainment, but nah, it's just not going to happen. Maybe for other people, but for me, I was never able to really make it work. I had to hustle. I had to have multiple hustles. Yeah, Yeah, multiple streams. Yes. Nice. Um, So staying on the kind of like the early beginnings. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, So early in your music writing days, you were with... Aaron Ashley and Natasha Paolini. Yes. Uh, did I say your last name right? Yes. Okay. Gang. Interviewing like all the rappers for like the three, pretty much the three outlets that cover Toronto yeah. hip hop extensively or mainly. Uh, what did you learn in those early days? Um, that competition makes you great. Okay. So I love these girls, and you know, Erin uh, is still one of my best friends to this day. But like, if I didn't have them to compete with and try and get the better interview and the better questions and have it out before them. I wouldn't be as good as I am. So Erin and I always joke about it. We always laugh about it. Like, yeah, she made me great because Uh of that, like, low-key rivalry, even Mm -hmm. though we're friends type of thing. But that's the game, you know, Mm -hmm. in anything. Like, Mm -hmm. rap is super competitive, so... Yeah. Yeah, like innately, it yes. is about competition. Who can outdo yes. one another? And then I guess you guys brought that to the journalism. Yes, game. we took it very cool. seriously. How can you like set maybe a scene of like one time where like you three showed up to interview a rapper? Like, what was kind of what was what was going on? Um, man, there was one time where all of us ended out in Atlanta for A3C. Okay. That was amazing. It was never innately competitive when we were there. Like, there's always amazing vibes. We're always sitting around laughing, but it's like. Once you leave, that pen hits the paper. And it's it's go time. It's go time. Try to get more clicks than the other person, uh-huh. more retweets. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about urbanology, which you mentioned off the top. Yes. You had your ongoing uh, column, semantics. Oh my god, semantics got me in so much trouble. <laughs> I like the I love the title. I even love like the. Or some of them. How to be a Toronto rap fan. Yeah. How to spot an industry groupie. Wow, those are still online. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah. What inspired amazing. you to start the series, or did you just like see these things and like nobody was talking about them? I've always been very mouthy. Like I'm just kind of super blunt, and yeah, these were things that were annoying me. Like there's a lot of bullshit still in the scene, um, you know, just in rap in general, but also the Toronto music scene. There was a lot of things that I was noticing, um, like I was complaining about, you know, things that were holding the scene back. And I thought, you know what, why don't we take these conversations off the timeline and like write real pieces and turn them into pieces and so people can share them and understand what, you know, you're holding yourself back. So that was basically the whole idea, like to celebrate our scene specifically, but also call out the bullshit. Yeah, very necessary. It's yeah. Because like, it's those things that you see and you observe at shows or just like things that are commonly known about the, the rap scene in Toronto like there was always the Screwface label that was attached to it yeah and then but actually breaking it down in a nuanced way yeah that was my job I had to you can't keep quiet or just like complain or something has to be done so mm-hmm. I took it upon myself and then I moved to, to Europe so that's why that was no longer but I'm still out here having these same conversations yeah. Yeah. so if you see me you already know what it is I especially liked the piece, um, Who Wants to Date a Rap Writer? Oh my for obvious God. Reasons. Oh my God. Um, one, at one point you really touched on that resonated with me was like, just, you're, <laughs> I'm going to say you, but I'm talking yeah. like, 
you're bad to date because like you can't you're always the focus is always never there something i've even found trying to stay on top of all the new drops the new videos people hitting up about songs or mixtapes that are going to come out like have you ever despite it being like your passion have you ever felt overwhelmed staying on top of everything yeah always like Man, when I was writing, like, uh, the deputy editor of the 405, honestly, that was at a time where blogging was peak, Mm -hmm. and there was no time limit. It was, like, anything could drop at any time. This was before, kind of, like, now there's a little bit of a schedule. Like, bloggers have put their foot down, and a lot of people aren't dropping on the weekend. You know, you got New Music Friday, and you you know that Zayn is premiering, like, the song of the day on Apple Music at noon. So there's kind of, like structure there where when I was writing there was no structure so my eyes were peeled to the timeline that's when Twitter was really popping those days so yeah. my those are the dangerous Twitter days too like yes. Twitter isn't the same as it was back in those no. days so I was writing all day I was up early because I worked like UK time okay. would write all day try and take a nap but then I would wake up like severe anxiety check my phone to see if anything dropped um, you know, eat dinner, try and lay down and watch some Netflix or a movie, and my phone is in my hand the whole time. So, yeah, it was really hard to focus and very overwhelming, but I enjoyed it, and yeah, we got yeah. it done. Yeah. Yes. So you spoke in the past about, like, your early interviews, maybe not doing as well as, like, a Kendrick or a Jay Huss. Yes. Um, what do you think... What do you think helps a new artist gain traction in like in the media, but also in like the hearts and minds of listeners? Having personality, having that brand together, having focus and living it like no questions asked. You just do it like you post for your fans. You care about it. So you're engaging them in whatever content, you know, that you put out just being yourself. Um, The music obviously has to be good, but just like live it and breathe it online and in real life do the most all the time nice what kind of things stood out to you when you were first looking at those like early pitches people that wanted it and they wanted it authentically so people that weren't just like in my dms here's the soundcloud link people yeah or just here's a link yes (laughs) people that would come out and come to shows specifically to meet me or you know what i mean and like introduce themselves and be super respectful and have their managers reach out to me and email me and do it properly no. So you talked about uh, heading out to London. Yeah. How did you make that decision? Did you get the job first, or did you just kind of go there with the ambition to, to, to write? No, my um, ex was a soccer player, so he okay. played out in Finland, in oh, Helsinki. Yeah. And so we were kind of just tired of the back and forth, like long distance thing half of the year. So one year he invited me to come out, and I was obsessed with festivals. This is whenever I was young and could handle them and not complain about the desk. But, um, yeah, so I just knew that there were so many incredible festivals and things out there that I wanted to go and be a part of. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what I did. I reached out, got media accreditation, booked my plane ticket, and I was supposed to go there for three months, and I ended up staying for a year and a half. Jeez. Got my visa, and then just built up the brand. Like, I... Once you're in Europe, like you pay attention to all the different scenes that are out there, and it's so easy to travel between countries. Yeah. It's so cheap, so I just kind of like went for it and was obsessed with it. And I reached out to the 405 because I re- I saw that there was just something that was missing there. They didn't really have a hip hop writer, and so I just reached out to the editor and I was like, "You need me," and he was like, "All right, like give you a shot." So I started doing reviews for them, and then also like Urbanology. Within a few months, I was a deputy editor. So. 
Yeah, you're really adept at creating your job for you. Well, because I have difficulty freelancing. Like, I don't know how to pitch worth shit. Like, I'm just bad at it. So I just, I don't know. I make my job. Like, I'm confident in it. And I'm like, nah, you need it. And then I show them that I was right. Yeah. I mean, the work <laughs> speaks for itself, right? Yeah. I saw a tweet on, I think from you, like, way back about, I think you were at a festival in, like, Copenhagen? Yes. About, like, I think it was... Your, like, Last month? Maybe. Yeah. About, uh, like, you were like, yo, uh, a local is going to open up for so-and-so headliner. Oh, that, that was when I was in Finland, yeah. Um, the scene is just completely different out there. They're super proud of what they do. And, you know, all there it has a lot to do with the language but um because like they speak finnish yeah. a lot of people don't speak english there so you turn on the radio and it's all a different language and it's all their own local artists performing and their local artists are the headliners like it was rick ross that was the summer that it was like rick ross performing but they had this finnish rapper called cheek who's like just this finnish guy headlining the actual stage which was so backwards coming from writing semantics and complaining about everything and like the lack of support and the screw face and then going over there it opened my eyes and i wanted to be a part of it and that's why i started just paying attention to what was happening in germany and the uk and like falling in love with grime right before that blew up you know that obsession with the different scenes and seeing how that they navigate is why i've been successful because i was able to try and bring that and show people that here Did you approach uh, the way you did journalism over there any differently or kind of the same way that you did it here? Um, the, the same way, the same way, but it was actually easier for me because of the access. Yeah. So like I would go to a festival and a lot of people don't speak English. So when like Big Sean and Freddie Gibbs and people and YG can come, like they just know I'm like, hey, like I'm Samo, I'm from Toronto. I speak the same language as you. Do you want backwoods? I know where to get them. And then I end up being their best friend. Uh, so that was amazing because there was a lot of artists that could get into these countries that can't get into Canada because our borders are so strict. So like people like Young Thug, um, Freddie Gibbs, this was before he could come in and stuff like that. So it kind of set me apart because I have you know, people that I've interviewed that still can't even get into the country. I don't think Thugger's ever been here yet. I've never yeah. been doing a show here. Yeah, so it was just, it was easy for, easier for me, basically. That's awesome. I just had the confidence, like, Toronto gave me the confidence, because if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I just approached a different place with that confidence, and I stood out, obviously. Would you say that Toronto has a scene or an industry? A scene, That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a music job in Toronto. Yeah. Like, even doing the new gen stuff and, like, working with the label side, that's still, like, the UK. Mm-hmm. That job also had to be made. Yeah. So that's kind of what I want to do now is hopefully eventually, with the help of, like, me and my friends that worked hard to get into these positions where we actually have the ability to make change, is turn it from a scene into an industry. And that's something I'm super passionate about, creating jobs and, and putting the right people in place that are passionate, that I've seen for the past, you know, eight years, grinding it out, and they haven't left. There's not a lot of us left that all started. A lot of people, you know, gave up and went you know to different industries or got different jobs but there's a lot of us that are diehards that will do anything to see this city and the people in it succeed where do you think that passion what what do you think it started for you me um i've always been a very passionate person i just had to find what it was that i was passionate about i've always been passionate about music but 
obviously everything that I've been through in my life um, I wasn't really supposed to be successful like you know my parents always told me I was never gonna be successful my teachers like a lot of people so you know just the belief and the confidence in myself like that innate drive to like no I'm gonna prove everybody wrong is what it was and then obviously like we talked about before giving back to the people that helped me get there so I was gonna say what do you like what do your parents think of what you do now um, they don't understand it, but we don't talk. Like, I'm estranged from my family, and I've been estranged on and off for most of my life. I moved out when I was super young. Like, I was still in high school, couch surfing, and we've tried to make it work numerous times, but it's just they don't get it. I'm the black sheep of the family. It's crazy. Yeah. Because you're, like, so successful at what you're doing. Yeah, you would think, but... Um, yeah no politics politics and that's just life like some people you know you choose your family I have a great family that I've created like in my community I have the best friends ever so you know those people are by my side all the time so shout out to them that's awesome congratulations on I know I already said it to you earlier but congratulations on your new position that you got earlier this year thank you I think I'm a better person to like be looking out for like talent in the city I appreciate it um what from your music journalism uh like life or career that have you brought over to your new position um I didn't realize this but I always kind of had a a and R bit to my journalism like I was always kind of selfish in what I wrote about like I would find artists super early and then just want to tell everybody their story mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I do now is like finding hidden talent like people that are about to blow or people that no one's heard of yet and kind of supporting them in that so um that was one of the big, the hardest parts about my journalism before, is I felt like my content wasn't getting the attention that it deserved because no one had heard about this artist. So that was super frustrating, but I've always wanted to put people on mm-hmm. to what's good. So That's the way, yeah, part of our MO of starting this. Yeah. Is like we pick and choose who we want to put on because yeah. it's like our platform. Why yes. do I want to yeah. cater to everything? Yeah, I've always just had a lot of confidence in my ear. So yeah. I'm like, nah, this is fire. I mean, nah, I've... I've from following you from time, I've seen, like, you always have your ear to, like, the streets and, like, know a hood banger when you hear it the yes. first time. Yes, so um, we're out here trying to put on for the streets in Toronto because um, the one thing I realize navigating the system right now is that the industry here, the scene here is just, they're scared. So that's the most difficult part is proving to them, like, no, taking a chance on the streets. Mm-hmm. Because as far as our scene is concerned, a lot of it exists on Queen Street West. But that's not Rexdale, that's not Regent, that's not where a lot of these talented kids are coming from, so we're trying to put them on. Yeah, it was like when, I remember way back when like Nav was first getting that SoundCloud cloud and like he was starting, like people were, like Hot New Hip Hop was starting to post him and stuff and it was like, yo, the Rex has known that this guy was like crazy. Yeah. People have known that his production skills is crazy. Yeah. People eventually catch up. There's a big disconnect between the streets the bros, and the industry. Yeah. So I'm trying to bridge that, which comes with its own, like, pain and whatever. And But I'm trying. We just got to get, you know, the venues to take chances and the streaming platforms to take chances. But um, hopefully the face-to-face. I'm trying to have a lot of conversations and kick down a lot as many doors as possible right now. Do you ever find it frustrating that you still have to convince people to take chances despite, like... Toronto's proven track record of producing yes, world stars. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm strategic with it. So okay. we got it down to a science now. A lot of people are trying to 
are saying yes. They're seeing the numbers on YouTube and, you know, on social media, and they're not lying. Like, the fan base is there. So, you know, it's only going to benefit them. It's just having that conversation and showing them that. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, like, everybody you wins. You want this. Yeah. Let me show you that you want this. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm talking about, like... I guess executives being scared and stuff and not taking chances. I remember a quote from uh, Nathan Miller's uh, Northside documentary <laughs> that you were in. You talked about like the funding structure set up for Canadian musicians yes. and how the establishment doesn't like like our attitude, the Toronto mm-hmm. attitude. Um, I would rather fund like a country artist from BC. Yes. How much do you think like the lack of support and lack of radio play affects uh, people in the city, like hip hop artists especially? Very much so. Like it's just even difficult. We finally premiered um, Lil Beretti, his first single, um, his big summer single, Time Flies, on Flow 93.5. So thank God that there's actually a change now. Like they are, they're doing the takeover, which is amazing. It's like an, an hour at night, um, Monday to Friday, I believe which is incredible because I remember when I was like a shelter kid, we, I had a radio, I'd wake up in the morning to get ready to go to school and I would turn on the radio and hear Andrina Mill and Rich Kid. And I remember how important that was. I would see them at Manifesto like a few months later and be like starstruck being like, these are local heroes. And, and you know, now these are people that I like call friends and peers yeah. and stuff like that. And I just remember how important that was not only for them and their careers, but just me as somebody that was so inspired by the scene and, um, you know, seeing that it really can happen. You know, there's a shift, but it's it's still the same thing. Like, even labels, they don't want to take chances on, like, rap stars, and it's easier for a country artist or a pop artist or whatever, a rock artist to get signed, even though we, al- we already know that rap is what's bringing all the money in. Yeah, and it's far surpassed these other genres and, like, listenership. Yes, exactly. So you mentioned earlier you were deputy editor of the 405. Yes. So you were in London when you while you were doing that job? No, I was here. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. And yeah. You were kind of filing from... Yeah, the- first I was in Finland, and then I'm, I came back here, like, after the year and a half was up and continued on. Cool. You had a lot of great interviews for that platform. Thank I want to talk, you. run through okay. some of them. Uh, your interview with Lil Dirt in 2015. Yes, oh my God. So at that time, uh, some, he had suffered some tragedies. Mm-hmm. His manager had uh, been killed, as, also, as well as his friend, Chinks Drugs. I think yes. Maybe two weeks or yeah, less before two, he yeah. even interviewed him. With rappers already being hesitant at <laughs> divulging information, how do you go about talking to them about like sensitive subjects like that? I don't know. I just get it. You know what I mean? Like I have lost a lot of friends in my life. I just recently lost two close friends as well. Um, I just understand that so maybe there's like an empathy in my voice or whatever but I approach them on some like empathetic tip like they can hear it in my voice I'm very sincere and I talk to them about it like if I get 10 minutes the first couple of minutes is talking to them and breaking them down so it's not just like this random stranger how do you feel about your friend being killed like there's absolutely I would hang up on me too you know what I mean so it's just, I care about these artists. I love their music. Their music saved my life. I listen to Lil Dirk almost every day. Ask anyone. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I love drill music. Um, so yeah, that's just what it is. I just, I honestly get along with artists more than anyone else in life. Um, so it makes has it easier. Develop, like, has that been a skill you developed or is it just something innate that you think that you had? No, I just should have been a rapper in a past <laughs> Or you were. Yeah, maybe. But um, no, I just... I, that's who I hung out with. I hung out with a lot of like rappers on the streets and like producers and people in the music industry and creatives. 
because I am a creative, I'm a writer, I, I work at a label, but I'm still a creative at the end of the day, so I just feel like there's a vibe. You just have it or you don't, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Is there anything, like, since you being said, like, since you being a big fan and admirer of Lil Durk, like, how was that interview? There, it was horrible service. We could hardly hear each other, uh, which is why it wasn't a Q&A. It was like, you know, uh-huh. some quotes in there, but um, it was still good. It was, that was a bucket list moment for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But didn't you also meet him in 2013? At yeah, the, at Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. And Shanks. Oh, oh yeah. crazy. Yeah, he was there. We were backstage at his show. There was like a Chicago showcase. And I was obviously like the reason why I went is for that showcase. Like none of these drill artists can get across okay. to Canada. So I went with Urbanology and made sure I was at that showcase and then just walked up to everybody. I was like, yo, you're amazing. Thank you. Nice. One of those moments. Me and Chinks got a pick together. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, yeah I know of the violence attached to this industry is really... Mm-hmm. It's devastating because yeah. obviously it's authentic, like this stuff, uh, it's real. And it only, like the more fame and success and attention, it's, it's always going to be linked. You know what I mean? Like we're seeing that in the city right now, the more success that Toronto artists, street artists specifically are getting... We have platforms like Six Buzz and everything that are supporting them, and it's just getting more and more attention, which is driving, um, you know, it, the good with the bad. The highs are high, and the lows are super low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but rest in peace to Smoke Dog and Cozy. Yeah. yeah, I know, and I completely resonate with that. It's like with each triumph that the city gets in the hip hop world, there has to be some tragic stories that are associated with it. It's just like the yeah. good and the bad always comes. It's devastating, but I've had a lot of great conversations with a lot of people in different camps, and you know, no one wants to see you know their deaths in vain. So there's there's a lot of community right now attached to it and people want to see each other win and supporting each other. We've had so many Toronto releases in the last little while. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Jazz, Prime, Come Down, we're getting ready to release a tape next month. Um, Devante just dropped a single. Like a lot of people are, are out here and it's just, it's great to see a lot of these faces again. It just it feels like a really good time and an inspiring time and we're going to do it for them. Yeah. That's great. Um... Another one of your interviews that you did with uh, like JoJo back when I don't know I forget maybe it was 2015 too. Yeah, like she had yeah. been like out of music for a, a while, mm-hmm. and I don't know how many interviews she had done before you, but you really like got some great answers out of her about like her taking a break and then coming back and kind of just. I love JoJo. <laughs> I love her so much. I was such a little fangirl. I remember like singing in front of my mirror with a hairbrush to get out like when I was a, a child. So to she was performing at the Mod Club and I got invited to like her press days. So we went to her hotel, just chilling in her hotel talking and it was super chill. So I just sat down. I was like, girl, I'm a fan. Like, where have you been? We need you. So yeah, she kind of opened up. Any other like crazy things happen? Any other interviews that stand out to you? Man, so many. There's just been a lot happening. Like um, everyone from like Kendrick, Pusha, T, like just so many. A lot of I don't know. Like Freddie Gibbs was amazing for me because I was such a big Freddie fan, and I remember tracking him down when I was in Finland. We literally went to go get like that Backwoods story was real. We went on. Uh. We went to go find Backwoods and then just chilled all before his set that night and it was just sick like it was just amazing to chill with him and then like do that big interview for urbanology but then i also did um 
a piece for Noisy about the Canadian border, which was like mm. one of my first big investigative journalism pieces. So he was actually going through the process of like getting his visa and like figuring out getting his charges dropped so that he could, you know, come. And so he ended up coming like a month after the piece came out. So it was really sick to like walk through that. So Cool. Yeah, because yeah, I saw him at the Hoxton. Yes. Like, was that the show? That was the show. No way. Yeah, so look that one up. But that was a good piece that I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, he's a great performer. I love his aesthetic. Oh, he's, YG. He's... That was one of my favorite interviews of all time because this was the day he got snubbed mm. for the Grammys yeah. in, like, what was that, 2014? And so he was in Finland. It was the last stop on his European tour. His girlfriend had just got out of jail and like they flew her to Finland. And I was in this like tiny little dressing room with like 25 goons from Compton. But there was also like guys from Paris there and London and New York and Toronto. And it was so crazy. It was just like felt like this universal room. And then just getting that exclusive interview about like his actual raw reaction. Cause you know, he was cheese. Like he was on Twitter being like, what the fuck? I got snubbed and then get like getting that interview in Finland of all places yeah. with YG <laughs> was Pete because I love him too so and he's super amazing. like raw and like unfiltered with his opinion yes yeah. like right like he was just dissing out the NFL for them taking out Colin Kaepernick's name mm-hmm. out of like Big Bang yeah he had the whole fuck Donald Trump yeah like. th- and this was before he got super political so a lot of people didn't see that coming okay. really you know he was just very like I don't, I don't think people thought that he had it in him, but I remember there was two people that were doing interviews before me that day, and they left the room like, he didn't answer any of my questions, he like, literally got mad at me, because he's like, are you dumb, type of thing, yeah. just super intimidating, and I went in there, and I was just like, fam, that sucks, and he was just like, I know, and snapped, <laughs> so, that's what it is, just do your research and understand what artists is going through like who they are and connect it's not like oh you have 10 minutes go in and you know read your questions off of your phone or your sheet of paper like you have 10 minutes to really connect with someone because their fans really want to hear about it so yeah that's what it was for me the rapper whisperer yeah (laughs) they come in all agitated and just like don't worry i got you Because, yeah. like, yeah, there's always the natural. I know I've gone into interviews with rappers, and there's, al- there's already a natural, like, abrasion. And, like, they're, like, you can already tell that they maybe some of them, not everybody, but some people you can tell that they're, like, I don't really want to do rappers this. Rappers hate this interviews. 90% of the time, they hate interviews. So it would be great to be that person to show them that it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, and just have a real conversation. That's what it's about. Yeah, it's intimidating. The publicist is there. You have 10 minutes. You see them, like, looking at their watch, like, applying mm-hmm. pressure. But I don't know. you got to make the most of those 10 minutes. What are some of the albums or make tapes you got on heavy rotation? I know Cobo World was something that you Yeah, Cobo World has literally been on repeat. It's so good. I'm so proud of the Prime Boys. Like, these guys are my day ones. Like, the first show that I ever covered was the Six Letter show back in like 2012 I think at Wrong Bar rest in peace to Wrong Bar and that's when I met like Jermaine and Tristan and Kosi and you know all these guys Jimmy before Jimmy was even a rapper and I just remember the energy and like meeting these guys and falling in love with them and just we became family so quick and because they hustled like I hustled and we just clicked like we were together at every show I would help them sell tickets to stuff like I was just a big supporter of who they were as people and what their you know dream was and what they were trying to accomplish in the city 
so it's so incredible to you know see how far they've taken it the music the new music is so good and yeah despite everything they have the strength to like put that out and you know yeah. i just wish them the best with everything not totally like their rise and continually staying authentic and yeah. like being in the ends is super admirable like, yeah i don't know man i love them yeah. so shout out the prime boys forever prime forever any other guy any other tapes or albums well, there's this kid named Lil Breddy, who's yeah. amazing. <laughs> the new track, Time Flies, is so good. But yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot. Obviously, Astroworld, Popcon. Like, Popcon oh. has been on repeat. That album is so good. I'm such a big Popcon fan, and, like, this last album I rinsed. That came out, like, what, three, four years ago? So I'm just amazed. Like, I'm so happy to have that this summer, because it's been an amazing summer, I'm not going to lie. So to have that as the soundtrack to it, it's it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now some really great music has come out. And yeah. Like, especially last weekend. It's kind of overwhelming. I still yes. haven't listened through everything. Yeah. Stay Dangerous, obviously, and Astro World. It's just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Uh, is it true that Gwen Stefani's your godmother? <laughs> She's so problematic. I saw it. Yeah. I saw it oh from, my uh, God. What's her name? But I loved her and just her attitude and her sass and just like her ability to continuously recreate herself is kind of what I strive for in that respect, not in a problematic way. Yeah, that's just what it is. Like I've lived about 25 different lives. Like I continuously just show up in different places and you know, evolve. So I want to always continuously do that. Like my worst fear is peaking. That is literally the only thing that scares me is thinking that this is it. This is my prime. You know what I mean? So that's kind of why she's my godmother. Yeah. Just why do you think that's uh, something that you want to stay away from your prime? Maybe you're just in an extended prime. Yeah, forever. Like (laughs) I am never trying to peak. You know what I mean? I always want to do more and and I want to take this all the way. You know, um, I always thought that my biggest goal in life was to be a music journalist. I wanted to be the best music journalist in Canada, and I wanted that to be my brand, and I thought that was it. I was going to, like, own a publication. But life has taken me to, like, working at a label now and finding artists and kind of finding new purpose, and I never want to give up on that. I want to just work my ass off and let whatever amazing thing is supposed to you know take me there and i just don't want to be scared i want to like follow it fall into my purpose over and over again has like a and r given you like a a new passion or like a new appreciation for absolutely absolutely because i was always asking you know you sit down with an artist and you're like so how was the creation process of this and tell me about what inspired you and all of that type of stuff but now working with an artist at the very beginning and seeing it all the way through to the end like with Lil Breddy the first uh, time we were ever in the studio together he made Time Flies I don't know why. it was like the dead of January and he came in and made this like amazing summer banger and then you know seeing having the demo on my phone and then hearing it you know mixed and then seeing him go to St. Vincent shoot the video and come out mm-hmm. and be a part of the marketing of it and the PR behind it and all of that stuff. Yeah, all of that stuff, you know, premiering it on the radio, it's come so full circle and I'm a part of like every part of the creation process now instead of being at the very end and asking about it. So it's, I'm learning so much. That's what I mean about like not peaking. I want to continuously learn. 
So that's and key. I am. That's, yeah. It's like key to like life. Yes. Yeah. Not even just like careers. Yes, like, uh, exactly. So I don't want to feel like I have it figured out. I just want to keep going. And so I'm having the time of my life right now, learning and being in the studio and, and all of that stuff and traveling. Yeah. You're like your work's allowed you to be able to travel, which is something amazing, something I've always wanted yeah. for my career. How has that, how's that been like going somewhere, not for a vacation, but to like yeah. do work? I mean, you already were doing it yeah. when you were in the 405. Because I've just, been working, yeah. so I would just like book my own thing and kind of take these risks, but it's like super emotional. I never thought that I would ever see the world type of thing, you know what I mean? Being this like little girl and coming from where I came from and just like being through everything that I've ever been in my life to now just being in five countries last month mm-hmm. for work was amazing. So I'm just going to keep going and I'm not taking any, any of it for granted. And I'm working hard to always like, you know, feel like I'm earning that. So that's what I'm going to continuously doing, uh, keep doing and see where it takes me next, which is back to London in two weeks. (laughs) Yeah. I booked my ticket yesterday. Awesome. You're in and out. That's why I had to Mm -hmm. grab you while you were here to do this interview, which is good because like there's this thing about the city is that it's a bubble, mm-hmm. and I just feel like the work that I'm doing right now is too important to get mixed up and lost in it, because Toronto summers are fun. I could be at cold tea in apartment 200 every night, but I'm just like trying to take that knowledge and the infrastructure in that moment where people see the work and they want to collaborate and they want to say yes and they want to do stuff. I'm not going to waste that. So I come back, do my, you know, my meetings and set everything up, go back again, continuous you like the beyond the move lifestyle? Oh, I'm a nomad. I've always been a nomad. It's, when I was young, it was for, I had to be, like, you know, like being homeless. Yeah, it's out of survival. Um, but it's at a point now where if I'm in the same place too long, I get antsy and I get very unhappy. So I feel like I will probably always be like this. So, I mean, it works yeah. with your job. Right? Yeah, I love it. So I'm seeing the world and I'm doing what I love and there's really nothing else I could ask for more than that. Awesome. Yeah. Now this is my favorite part of the interview where I get to dig up your old tweets. Oh no. (laughs) Only fun stuff. Oh my God. This one. I used to do the most on Twitter. I'm so glad I'm like very (laughs) low key on Twitter these days. Settled down a little bit. I know. (laughs) Um, All right. Here we go. From 2011. Oh my God. I had the illest dream. I was a bounty hunter in the jungle, and my partner was a hot pink panther. <laughs> There's no way I tweeted that. Yeah, you did. No. Stop. I was hacked. <laughs> I was definitely I hacked. I just wanted to know if it was a real dream. No, I was hacked, and for it, sure. if it was, like, a panther that was colored hot pink, or if it was, like, the pink panther, but was hot. No, I was hacked. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> You ever schedule an interview, then book their women-hating tendencies so you can just cancel so you're not set up for anything triggering? Mm, that Was that recent? Yeah, that was, uh, not really, like March 14th, 2016. Yeah, I started to get really, like when I first started, I put up with everything, you know what I mean? Did I did like not you- complain, I just would show up and do it, and I wouldn't, like, I put up with a lot from like the people that I worked with for, interviewed, everything. And it wasn't until, like, literally the conversation about women, like, came to the forefront that I realized, like, how much abuse that I was putting up with. Yeah, and so I started to just get pissed off and, like, not care. Like, just, I would call it out, uh, which I'm so grateful for. And now I really, like, I have group chats, group chats of, like, women, like, 
killer women in the industry were all like international girl gang from all over people that are like producers to creative directors A&Rs, all of this stuff marketing directors and we all we have these conversations every day and we talk about it and there's really no putting up with the bullshit anymore I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I don't have to anymore. Put myself in these like positions where I'm not respected despite my work. It still happens. Like you backstage at festivals and people think you're a groupie. Like Drea and I were we talking about this. Like there's just the work that you have to do, the little things like you don't look artists in the eye when you're backstage like things like that you're always looking busy like doing the most to look busy even though you're just there's downtime backstage just so people don't assume the worst of you still happens but yeah Yeah, i'm gonna keep calling it out yeah no you got it because those are like even like as a man that works in music and the hip-hop and it's like yeah it's like those are things that i don't ever have to think about yeah but it's stuff that are common knowledge for you guys yes and it's like other guys are the ones that are doing it so we're changing it though we're just i'm gonna keep working hard and if you underestimate me like that's on you fam yeah yeah Um, this part is called band libs Mm. i'm gonna start the finish i mean i'm gonna start the finish (laughs) i'm gonna start you can tell i'm tired yeah i'm gonna start the sentence and you'll finish it okay when i'm hungry i hit up real jerk hey we just our throwback. Our last interview was recorded at the Real Jerk Amazing. with Shereen Taylor. Jeez, <laughs> shout out Real Jerk. When I chill, I listen to <clears throat> Jay Huss. Hey, yes. I loved your Jay Huss interview. Yeah. But plus, I was like, yo, nobody in Toronto is covering the sick stuff that's happening in the UK, especially people like Jay Huss, like Burna Boy. Yep. Like, they don't the whole Afrobeat scene. It's just like. Nobody cares, even though London is so similar, I feel like, culturally to Toronto. I feel like we're yeah. culturally more similar to London than we are to, like, yeah. New York. A lot of people do care, but it's, like, they don't have a lot of publicists here, right? So yeah. how do you get a hold of them? I was just lucky enough to have my foot in the door, mm-hmm. the UK scene, before it really blew up globally over here, like, before the whole Skepta thing and all of that Stormzy. Yeah. So that's what it was. I just, you know knew his manager and his publicist and made it work and yeah worked out for the worked out blast for sure on a friday night you can find me oh my god sleeping <laughs> <laughs> i try to at least like the summer's been wild but uh yeah i love to sleep and i don't get to do enough of it so yeah so well that's what i hope to do this friday sleep. me too yeah <laughs> My name is Samo. And I'm a one woman army. Hey. Every time I throw that money, I time fly. Every time I feel myself, I got a freestyle. But I was in the trap till I need my show you bust that ass. Yeah, I told the press we were. Niggas came up, got paid souls, now my niggas count up.